Hello, and welcome to another episode of State of the Nova Nation. I'm Eugene Repay. He's Chris Stanzial. Chris, how are you on this fine Thursday morning? How was your Valentine's Day? My Valentine's Day was uh, was okay. It was all right. Nothing, nothing special. I, I got a Russell Stover mini chocolate thing from my mom, and that was that was the full extent of that. And I ate a lot of it, and I felt guilty. How was yours? How was your trip to Chicago? By the way, we we never we haven't touched on that. Yeah, I know. I know we tried to get an episode in over there, and we had we actually faced some technical problems after the recording of that show. So that's mm-hmm. why we didn't have a Tuesday show, but. It was fantastic. It was great. I felt like I learned a lot. It was very busy, but also when I had some free time to explore the city, I, I enjoyed it a lot. And let me tell you, deep dish pizza is big. It's been growing on me. It's growing on me. I don't know how, as a New Yorker, you can say that. <laughs> yeah, all the, all the Chicago people are like, "Look, I understand, you know, all you New Yorkers." And I was like, "No, I, I honestly like it. it. It's the first time I had it. I'll admit it was a little weird. It's very dense, and it was pretty good. It was pretty good." But you still wouldn't put it ahead in New York, right? No, no. But it was it was still very enjoyable. I enjoyed it. It was very different. Mm-hmm. Fills you up very quickly. But it was pretty good. It was pretty good. Okay. All right. Just wanted to clear that up. Good. I also heard that your Valentine was the O'Hare Airport. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's actually true. They actually gave me a free chocolate bar. That was the only candy I had because I was stuck <laughs> in the airport for a long time. I thought I was going to be stranded in Chicago. There was a problem with my flight coming back. For a second, Chris, it looked like it was just going to ruin a lot of the trip, but I found my way home, and when I got home on Tuesday night, I went straight to sleep. O'Hare Airport's been uh, very unkind to SNN members as of late. Yeah, we had Jesse Hatton, former analyst, get stuck there, get stranded in Chicago, but I thought I thought that was going to happen to me too. Yeah, I'm glad you found your way. Oh yeah, I'm very glad I was able to find my way back. I'd never been to Chicago before, and it was very enjoyable. I enjoyed a lot of the different parts of my trip between, you know, the conference covering DePaul Nova up and on the radio there. And on top of that, just all the sights and sounds. Like I, you know, I went to go see a bunch of different monuments, different museums, got to explore the city. I'm going to say this right now. Best train system. Best train system. Really? Wow. That's pretty bold. Yeah. The CTA is light years ahead of SEPTA, which, Oh, well, I know that's that, not saying That's much. a lot of, yeah. <laughs> that's not saying much. <laughs> but it, I would say it's a lot better than New York. It's a lot more organized. Everything's clean, and it's a lot cheaper. That's good. Well, give me your favorite monument, just off the top of your head. Honestly, I enjoy the bean a lot. If you go under it, it's really trippy. Enjoyed that. I enjoyed the History Museum a lot. And I'd say the third, get home the bronze. It's a tie between maybe the Art Institute and this place called Garfield Park. That was pretty cool, too. But honestly, I think my love for the CTA is just, like, above everything. Like, it was so easy. It was so streamlined. There were no delays or anything. It was fantastic. That's cool. It's a shame that you just couldn't use it to get to the Paul's Arena. Oh, <laughs> thank you for reminding me. So, you know, people joke about DePaul not having a lot of fans. You know, people joke about DePaul not having a lot of fans. See a lot of empty seats in Allstate Arena. Honestly, I I don't blame a single DePaul student at all. Not one bit. First of all, if you want to get to Allstate Arena, which isn't even in Chicago, it's in Rosemont, Illinois. If you're a DePaul student, you can't take the train. And if you want to try to figure it out using public transportation, 
It'll take you two hours between a combination of trains and buses, which that's just not worth it. Especially with the way that the ball's playing right now, it's just not worth it. Mm-hmm. Pull money for like a $30 Uber to get there, which is still like, that's still not ideal. And not that many kids probably have a car, especially when you're in a city, bring a car to campus. The best bet to get there is really Uber. And I, I, it was a it was a headache trying to figure out how I was going to get there. But I ultimately used the combination of taking the train, and then I got an Uber from there. Oh. Okay. <laughs> but on the, on the way wow. back, Chris, I, I could not deal with it. It was so late, and I was just like, yeah, just here's here, take my money. Just get, get me back to the hotel. Shut up and take my money. Was, was there a surge going on? I feel like they would surge it. No, there there was none of that. There was no oh. uptick, thankfully. So Uber Uber cut you a break there. That's nice of them. Yeah. And uh, also, I just go into your radio experience with DePaul a bit. I, I like the backstory behind that, how they actually ended up finding us. <laughs> yeah, it was great. It was about two hours before tip-off. I just left my hotel, and I'm about to get on the train to Rosemont, stop there, and then Uber over. And I see that I get a, a Facebook message from this guy who – is like the GM, a uh, radio broadcaster for the DePaul sports games. And he asked me if I wanted to come talk, you know, meet up and talk about the game before tip-off. And I, I wasn't sure if he meant, oh, do you mean, like, just talk about it? Or are you trying to get me on the radio so I can prepare? Because I don't really want really to hop on and just not be ready and then just talk like an idiot or ramble like an idiot in front of everyone in Chicago. So uh, he told me, yeah, you know, yeah, we'll, we'll have you on. Like, we'll grab a third headset. And so I, I come in. Big shout-outs to Adam and Brendan over at Radio DePaul. It was pretty good. And we, we talked about a lot. I learned a lot. It's like kind of what, what the people in Chicago, how they view the Blue Demons, the men's and the women's team. Because, as we know, the women's team is a lot more successful than the men's team, at least as of late. Mm-hmm. So we talked about that a little bit. All State Arena is actually pretty nice. I I did like how it looked, but it you know just the fact that it was out of the way just kind of took away from took that away from me. But I hopped on the radio, talked about being in Chicago for a little bit. You know my business trip, why I was there, and then we just straight up talked hoops for about ten minutes, and then it was tip off, and yeah, it was pretty cool. It was a nice surprise, and they said that they found me because of State of the Nova Nation. About time we're getting some national recognition. Yeah, it was. It was. I I told them I was like, wow. I was honestly surprised that they're. This is the first time I've heard of non Villanova people listening to our podcast. <laughs> yeah, same here. And I and I asked them. I was like, so how did you find my podcast or our podcast? Adam said, oh well, you know, we were preparing for Villanova, and we were doing some last minute preparations, and I just happened to type in Villanova into the iTunes store, and there it was. And I was like, yeah, we're the only. Villanova podcast around and they said and they liked it they enjoyed it so that we were informative they liked their content I enjoyed their radio time I mean the the technology they had Chris was light years ahead of what we had at WXVU over at Villanova really wow yeah it was it was really fresh it was really fresh good for them at least they know how to keep up something that's not the men's basketball team but yeah they they do a bunch of different DePaul games broadcasts and all other Chicago sports too so it was pretty cool that's awesome 
you know, shout out to them. Like that that's so cool that you know people in Chicago are listening to what we're doing. You know, recording in New York and New Jersey, respectively. It's just kind of weird to think how that happens it was a nice surprise it was definitely a nice little addition to my trip at first i thought it was someone from the conference that i was at right you know i thought that's how they knew but they were like oh we just heard from your podcast you were coming down so we want to see if you could come talk and i was like wow yeah let's do it all for it let's roll (laughs) wow crazy now i'm not gonna lie that was probably the peak excitement of the game because the game went exactly as we expected it to go. Yeah, it was a uh, a snoozer. So much so that I actually ended up falling asleep during the game. Not proud of it. I had to do it, though. Work was getting to me. But, uh, but yeah, absolutely dominating performance, start to finish. I mean, you got outscored in the second half, but it, it didn't feel like it at all. No, no, not at all. And the other thing is, too, you know, Villanova won 75-62. A lot. It was very one-sided. I mean, DePaul had some – I think they just had a little run at the end to make it a little more respectable. Yeah. But unlike the last time these two teams met, there was just no worries of an upset. No, not at all. That that was the big uh, – that was the big talking point going into this game was, uh, oh, well, you know, DePaul played Villanova close on the road, so maybe they'll maybe get them at home. But, yeah, that, that wasn't meant to be. I mean, Villanova came out firing. I think it was – they hit like four threes in a row on like four consecutive possessions. I forget what it was. Uh, and it, it kind of put DePaul to bed like pretty early. It, it took any doubt that Villanova was not going to hang around with these guys uh, out of the question. I mean, outscored them 39-18 in the first half. I mean, there's just no way you can come back from 21 down. Yeah, they even pushed it as far as a 27-point lead. Right. They went through the second half. Let's talk about your boy a little bit. My boy? Your boy. JV crossover basketball. Chicago got a little dosage of JV crossover basketball. Jalen Brunson <laughs> comes home, Chicago land, just like he did playing for Stevenson back in his high school days. He's like, oh, I love playing in Chicago. <laughs> another nice performance from the smooth lefty that is JB crossover basketball. Yeah, I'll, I'll say it again. Jalen Brunson is so good. <laughs> just watching him just take over a game is just a thing of beauty. I mean, we brought it up uh, last episode, how, how just he, he just commands the game like a senior and it's just it's just absolutely unbelievable what he can do and i feel like that the home chicago crowd brought him brought out a little bit more this game i i, I mean obviously i mean a little bit of a homecoming so i i think he wanted to put on his best performance for all his friends and family he chatted down played a little bit in the post game conference he was just like oh you know every game's a big game and it's like oh come on Jalen, you, you can say it you know you had mom and dad <laughs> in the crowd probably had some friends from high school come check you out some friends from Chicagoland come see you. You had to, you had to put sprinkle out a little extra magic on that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think the most impressive part of his game right now is, is not so much the scoring. I mean, his dribble drive is absolutely insane. But I, I think that his ability to dish and actually like find lanes that are just you just wouldn't think would be open. It's just is just something else. It's otherworldly, honestly. I actually trying to bring an old game back into this. I actually rewatched the Virginia game, watched the television broadcast yesterday, actually, first time ever. And there was this one pass to 
Dante DiVincenzo on the baseline that he made in late in the second half that even like when I was at the game, like I knew it was a great pass, but watching it on TV was just something different. Like I didn't, you didn't, couldn't appreciate it as much, I guess, from where I was sitting. And it, it's just, I think that part of the game he's developed has improved so much from freshman year that it just frees up everybody else. I love his ball vision, the way that he just orchestrates facilitates on the court like you said man he he knows how to get it into his different teammates on the floor whether he needs a smooth bounce pass to just drive right in so many dimes so many dimes and another fact that most people probably don't realize his assist rate right now this season is higher than ryan archidiakonos ever was in his four years on the main line Yeah, that that's pretty crazy. He's averaging four assists right now per game, which you know doesn't sound like a lot, but in college basketball, I feel like that that's a good that's a good amount. Shooting over fifty percent, and he's shooting around thirty eight percent from three, which is literally almost the same as last year. So he's just improved his efficiency from inside the arc, and he's had a lot more assists to boot. He's he's playing out of his freaking mind right now. Yeah, against DePaul, he had a game high eighteen points. Four rebounds, four dimes, and three steals. He was doing a little bit of everything. Yeah, jack of all trades, I guess. But going off of what you said, yeah, four assists per game isn't a lot, especially when you look at, you know, people like to compare numbers with the NBA, even though it doesn't really work like that in college. Right. But especially in a system where Villanova, all the guys, one through five can pass the ball. You know, Mm -hmm. they're moving it around often. There's no real... Like, yeah, Jalen's a point guard. Yeah, he's, he's, you know, he's the orchestrator. But you also have other guys chipping in assists. So to have four per game in a system like this and not turn the ball over as much, on top of that, it is pretty impressive. Right, yeah, it is. And I, I think you brought up a good point. I think the key to this whole assist thing is not turning the ball over. Like, I'll take the lesser assists if you're going to be able to control and hold on to the ball more. Like, I'd rather have, like, his stat line – just this past game, four assists, one turnover, then maybe six success and three turnovers. I'd rather, you know, keep the ball than, you know, obviously lose it. And while trying to make like a stupid pass or something and trying to fit into a window, you feel that you can't get it, feel like you can get it into. Yeah, I I totally agree. I mean, you don't, you know, I'd rather you be safe and cautious with the ball than be reckless with it and turn it over like seven times. Yeah, it's like the Aaron Rodgers versus Brett Favre debate. What kind of quarterback would you rather have? Would you rather have the one who throws for more touchdowns and less interceptions? <laughs> or would you rather have the one who tries to make the big play, even though he'll probably get picked more times than not? <laughs> yeah, it's like a Chris Dunn stat line. It's like, yeah, he'll average near a triple-double, but he'll also throw in like six or seven turnovers while he's that's, doing it. That's right. Yeah, God, I forgot he was a turnover machine back back in his Providence days. Yeah, it was the most underreported thing I felt. I felt like I, I loved Chris Dunn. I loved his game, and mm-hmm. I thought everything he did was impressive. But the man also would turn the ball over like six or seven times. And some <laughs> games, he almost had a quadruple double yeah. in that. He yeah. would have like eight or nine turnovers. I think he almost got one against Villanova in the overtime game last year. I think he was really close to 10. I got to look that up right now. Also, on top of Brunson, he helped shut down Eli Kane. And Billy Garrett Jr. Those two guys were quiet on DePaul's end. Oh, they did absolutely nothing all game. I mean, Kane had twelve, but four thirteen shooting, and Billy Garrett Jr. had two points on one and nine shooting in classic Billy Garrett Jr. fashion. Villanova had four players eclipse double digits: Mikael Bridges, Chris Jenkins, Hart, and Jalen Brunson. But you know who else eclipsed double digits, Chris? Uh who was it? Well, this wasn't in the scoring category. It was in another category. Dylan Painter. Oh, had double-digit minutes for the <laughs> first time this season. 
Yeah. About time he got some burn. I mean, he didn't look too too shabby. I mean, he you can tell he's not ready, and a redshirt year would have done him some great good. But he's had he's been thrusted into this situation due to injuries and NCAA ineligibilities, and you know, get it, it's a whole other story for another day. But I mean, he doesn't look too bad. He grabs four boards, which was tied for third on the team the other night. I was sitting at the baseline. Or on the baseline, rather. I got a pretty good view of the front court or when they were played towards my end of the court. Mm-hmm. And Dylan Painter was one of the most hyped people on the court. <laughs> the guy plays with a lot of energy. I didn't think he looked that bad either. Like, yeah, he only had one basket. He also only took one shot. But I felt like it was kind of a, all right, Dylan, show me what you can do. Maybe we can feed you a little more minutes moving forward here. Mm-hmm. Because that three-minute outing, that brief, <laughs> he, was, he was there, like, honestly, in that Xavier game when he only played three minutes. He was only out there while, like, Chris Jenkins was drinking water or, you know, wiping his face with the towel. Right. Getting a contact lens fixed. I agree with you. It was more of a – it was definitely a show-me type game. And, I mean, DePaul's the type of opponent you'd do it against. Like, you're not going to throw him into Xavier and say, yeah, Dylan, go go give me 15 good minutes, see what happens. I, I, yeah, no, that's a recipe for disaster. But, yeah, I, if this means that maybe, you know, Dante and Eastman won't be playing, like, 30 minutes a night and – you know, take a few minutes away from them and give like maybe five to 10 to Dylan just to, you know, keep the legs fresh. I, I'm all for it, but I, I don't know against like the bigger boys of the Big East and then eventually come to the NCAA tournament. I don't know if that's going to work. And I don't think Jay's going to go down that route, to be honest with you. Yeah, Dale Reynolds is still day today. He did miss that DePaul game. We've heard rumors that, man, it can stretch anywhere from the next game to two weeks. Rib injuries are no fun. Uh, no, they're not. Luckily, I have never had one. But, yeah, it doesn't seem like a good thing because it the fact that, like, one reporter says it's just a couple games and then the next one's saying, yeah, you might be out till like, the end of the regular season, that's kind of scary. Once again, another Villanova injury with uncertainty as to how long the player will be out. Yeah, one thing I noticed, Phil Booth was wearing a suit while Dale Reynolds was just wearing sweats. It's like, come on, Daryl. Did you, did you not bring your suit with you to Chicago? Did you forget? Hey, it's a three-game road trip. He maybe he forgot. Maybe he didn't know. Oh, did it ever say when he sustained that rib injury? I don't think it did. I don't think it did either. All we know is that decision to not play him came the morning of that Xavier game. So, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe – yeah, he just never packed the suit. Yeah, so it, that's, very, that's very, very feasible. Yeah, maybe they were going through walkthrough at the hotel the night before the Xavier game. Daryl was like, yeah, my stomach hurts. Looks at his rib. <laughs> Injured. Like, yeah, I don't think we could do this. So he was like, you know, instead of renting a suit, I'm just going to go out of my sweats. I'm going to be relaxed and comfortable. <laughs> yeah, that'd be all for it. At least he's not like in My Cousin Vinny where he just goes to a random suit store and just buys a ridiculous suit just so that he has to look presentable on the bench. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Buy one of those crazy designs. Yes. So, Villanova took on Xavier this past Saturday. We were very worried about this one to begin with. It was at the Cintas Center, and we, we know how the Wildcats do there. It's a, little, it's a little tough place to play. Some shaky games here and there, but we weren't too worried. Xavier's latest play and, and their terrible injuries. Yeah, what is this, dude? What's going on? Everyone's dropping like flies. That I don't know. And I didn't realize Blewett was injured going in. I thought he was A-OK. I didn't realize yeah. he had a tender ankle, as they called it. Yeah, he tweaked his ankle, left a little bit too in the game, came back, and he just didn't look the same. No, no, he was not the same at all. And 
they really messed with their offense big time. I mean, they were they were eating us alive inside, but I mean, if they had any sort of outside game, this game would have been a lot closer, obviously. Yeah, especially Trayvon Blue, it's been their top scorer. He's their heart and soul. You're already you're already down Sumner. Now you have mm-hmm. Trayvon Blue who's been leading you in scoring for the like ever since he set foot on the court in Cincinnati. Right. What are you gonna do? <laughs> have JP Mercura, Dennis the Menace, lead the way? <laughs> hey, he he hit some deep threes, but other than that, he's a very wild player. He had like two layups that I couldn't believe he took he, the, the way he did. He would like he was like trying to get like all star points for it. It was crazy. It was like hitting like the skill stick on in two K going up for a layup. I'm like, why are you doing that? You could have just gone straight up with it strong, and you would have had an easy bucket. But you wanted to do a fadeaway one hander off your left foot fading away. Like it made no sense. Oh yeah, it, the dude shot five for sixteen. That's disgusting. Yeah. It's it's terrible. I mean, three of eight from deep, and like I felt I thought he did better from deep as well. But geez, like. Inside the art, he was. Xavier looks completely disarmed. It looks like it's J.P. Makira, Rashid Gaston, or Quentin Gooden. Because right now, do you have Gooden, the point guard who comes in for Sumner? He shoots one of fourteen. That's he played all, forty disgusting. minutes too. He's horrible, horrible. <laughs> Trayvon Blewett, I can't fault him, but when your star player's down and no one else is stepping up, you're going to get that right. seventy-three to fifty-seven result. You can win the rebounding battle as big as Xavier did. 42 to 26. Yeah, it doesn't matter at that point. I mean, like we said, good in 1 of 14. That, that is, we, we talk about inefficiency all the time. That's not inefficient, though. That's that's bad. Playing all 40 minutes, especially. Makira played all 40, 5 of 16. And I, I we were discussing this off air before, but it was almost like Jay said, we're going to get out-rebounded inside. We're going to get destroyed on the inside today. So let's just play lockdown defense everywhere else and let the guards beat us. And if they do, tip your hat to them. And if they don't, you'll probably blow them out. Gaston can only do so much from inside. I mean, yeah, he had a double-double, 23 points, 10 boards, six of the offensive variety. But it's like let the big guy eat and then shut everyone down. And it's a res- that was a recipe for uh, success, actually. Yeah, they held Xavier to just shooting 35% on the floor and an ugly 28.6% from deep. You're not going to win games that way. No, not at all. It's and especially when you're shooting 35 percent from the field and your big guy shooting 10 to 13. That means everyone else was shooting even worse than 35 percent. So you really locked everyone down. And they also had a horrible game from the line, mainly because of Gaston, who only shot three to seven from the line. Yeah. And then on the other hand, when Villanova is shooting above 50 percent, that's just mm-hmm. that's just recipe for disaster for the losing team. <laughs> Yeah, it really was. It felt like everything we were taking was going in. And, you know, it was just one of those games. You got hot, and it felt like anyone who shot it was it was going to go in. Even Dante. I mean, we got we to gotta tip our cap to him. He played a great game. He had some shots where we're like, no, 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 no. And then it went in. We're like, okay, okay, okay. We're good. We're good. <laughs> the, the, um, cla- the classic, we don't know if this Villanova player is exactly good yet response. Right. <laughs> exactly. It, it was kind of like the Dylan Ennis treatment or Ryan Archie Diacono treatment sophomore year. But, hey, it, it, he, if you make them, it's okay. You can take some bad shots here and there. But, uh, but, yeah, this team just absolutely took the fight out of Xavier. They took the crowd out of it in the second half. Even when they were trying to inch back, you never really could get fully back into it. And when you have a double-digit lead and, like, you give up a basket to cut it to, like, 10 – that's a lot different than when you have a single digit lead and you're cutting it to two. It's just it's just that whole 
the the ability to build the big lead in the first half was just absolutely killer to Xavier's cause because I feel like if the crowd got into it at one point, we might have been in some deep trouble. In the beginning, Villanova was a little slow, so it looked a little worrisome, but then I know where they just exploded. Everything was going in. Yeah, absolutely exploded. Uh, Jalen absolutely took the game over. I have to say it. He he just commands the court. Like, like a, he commands it like a senior. The awareness to dribble drive on reaching in and then beat him to the spot and then convert on an easy circus layup is it, just crazy. He had at least three of those the other night or the other day, really. And I, I just watched the game with my brother, and I, I just I get like freak out every time he does it because I you don't you don't you, we I've never seen anything like it. I mean, like you know, Arch, great point guard commander, but he would never be, he he couldn't attack the basket like like Jalen, in my opinion. Arch can, you know, hit the clutch three or hit the clutch two from just inside the arc. He could do all those things. And he could distribute as well. But Jalen's attacking ability is is unprecedented. He had that smooth Euro step a few times. I think I think he dished it out like three or four times. Yeah, he did. He broke it out a few times and it's a thing of beauty. You know what Jay Wright calls him? Uh JB crossover? No. Oh, that's what he calls himself. No, that's what he that yeah, that was his old Twitter handle. But you you know, you okay. talked about him performing like a senior. Jay Wright mm-hmm. calls him the left handed arch. Does he really? Yep. Oh my god, of course he does. <laughs> <laughs> this is not a joke. I, I have quotes of this somewhere. It was at Big East Media Day when Jalen Brunson first came in and people were asking him, Oh Jay, like, you know, how's Jalen Brunson looking so far? And he's like, Oh, I know he's a freshman, but he just has like the heart and the, the mindset of a senior. He reminds me of a left handed arch. We're like, oh, is he like Scotty Reynolds? Is he like Kyle Lowry? No, left handed arch. <laughs> uh, some recency bias there, I guess. But hey, I'll take it. <laughs> he, he's absolutely fr- flourished this year without any reins on him. No leash. Just, just go do your thing, and it's just a thing of beauty to watch. You know what else was a beauty to watch? Chris Jenkins, man, he found that shot again. Yeah, another solid performance. Four seven from deep, twelve points. He was money. He was money. He even played some great defense. I, I know there was a few plays there on the defensive side that uh, I actually got pretty hyped over because, you know, he. if there's one thing, if you're having a bad shooting year, you can at least play some defense, and he, he did exactly that. Took all his shots from deep, though, 4-7 or seven from deep, which, you know, absolutely, I'll take it. He had that one you know, one shot, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure it was the first half, or no, second half. It was a pretty, it was a pretty deep three, and he, he absolutely drilled it. It was so wet, and I, I was like, "Yeah, you know what? He's back," because he got real hyped after that shot too. And it's just, it, and it's just so cool to see him hyped again because that's what we talked about last episode. Or like, you know, we don't see him getting hyped anymore, blah blah blah. But here he was getting hyped on the road and silencing the crowd while he was at it. Now Villanova's operating on a six-man rotation yeah. with Dale Reynolds listed as day-to-day. With a rib injury. So right now, Villanova's tallest player is 6'7", Eric Pascal, in the main rotation. 6'7". Mm-hmm. This is Jay's dream right here. This is small ball. This is the yeah. death lineup. Yeah, this is this is the Warriors lineup. I, I know Marquette was making a reference to that during Big East Media Day. But I, I think we got our own little version here at uh, on the main line. And what made it worse <laughs> was that Pascal had three fouls in like the beginning of the second half, and he had four at the end of the game. So Dante had the play. So you were literally rolling with Miguel Bridges <laughs> in your center the entire <laughs> way. 
It was. It's basically what the Bucks run with Giannis on the Kupo. <laughs> basically, four guards and then just some freakishly long athlete in the middle, just acting as a center for whatever reason because you have to put him there. How much does this concern you? How much? How concerned are you? There's no. There's no definite oh. timetable for Reynolds' return, but how much does this concern you? Well, I mean, for the long run, it absolutely concerns me. But I. I from what I read, though, he should be back relatively soon, right? He might even be back for this weekend if if everything heals up correctly, I think. But it, it, we, you can't roll with six guys in the tournament. And any Big East or NCAA, you can't happen. Duke tried it last year, and even as, and as a four seed, they got to the Sweet 16, and they got promptly bounced. And I don't even think they should have got to the Sweet 16. You, you, can't, you can't do it. It's playing with fire. And if you do – and let's just say it's not – He's been getting in foul trouble. Let's say it's Chris Jenkins or Josh Hart or even Jalen Brunson. One of those three, they get in the foul trouble. You have to say it's it's gameover.com right then and there because you you might you might fall behind too quickly and it's you'll never be able to catch up. And then if you do insert whoever's in foul trouble, they might foul out, and then then it's actually done. And then you're rolling with at just five guys at that point with Dylan Painter being your lone guy. So hopefully Daryl is ready by the time this. Uh, to finish up the season. That way we can finish up strong and hopefully he'll be ready for the tournaments. But I, I think he should be. And I think we'll be okay. Yeah. Right now the reports seem to sit list anywhere from day to day to two to three weeks. So he should be fine for tournament time. Hopefully it's not those nagging injuries. Hopefully he doesn't come back. Right. But right now, <laughs> this six man lineup is just too ridiculous. This is just, it's too crazy. It's crazy, but it's worked. It's worked out so far. One and no, one and no, two two and zero. Oh. oh, two and zero. Oh, sorry, you're right. I mean, I, I always forget to pause the real team. Oh yeah, oh. <laughs> they try. They try. They put us they on tried. upset alert at the pavilion, but there was none of that. So next up for Villanova is a game that received considerable hype. Mm-hmm. It did on Martin Luther King Day when these two teams last played mm-hmm. as part of the Big East Marathon. It's a rematch of the 2016 Big East Tournament Finals. Last time, Villanova gave them a 30-point beatdown. Now, they're going over to the Pirates' Cove. They're going over to the Rock to play Seton Hall on Saturday. Chris, you're going to be there, right? Uh, Of course I'll be there. Third year in a row, I am going to Seton Hall, Villanova. And hopefully for the second year in a row, I will be leaving that arena with a win. I heard uh, you and maybe 18,999 other people are going to be there. It's going to be the... (laughs) Most attended, the highest attended college basketball game that the Prudential Center has ever seen. Yeah, when you were telling me that, I'm like, oh, wow, that's that's a lot of people because I know for hockey it only gets like 17-5. So just seeing that large of a number at Prudential Center is pretty uh, intimidating. Also, this will be the second biggest crowd of something, of a game I will be going to this year. I mean, I went to the Virginia one and that was the biggest crowd and. Pennsylvania history, I think it was, college basketball crowd in Pennsylvania history, and now this one be the biggest crowd in Prudential Center history. So I, I'm chalking up the milestones as I go this year. I heard Isaiah Whitehead's going to be there. Are you going to say something to him? No, I will steer clear of him. He He's on the Brooklyn Nets, so I, I think I'm winning at life right now. I mean, granted, he's he has a multi-million dollar contract and he's set for life, but hey, how are those eight wins doing? <laughs> go Brooklyn. <laughs> Don't tell Seed Hall fans that. They probably they probably have a statue of him somewhere. Yeah, and then we'll just bring up 
Arch is how Arch is at the D League level, and Chef is not even playing for the Zards. But that's okay. <laughs> I'm sure they have a statue of Isaiah Whitehead in the works where he's slapping the floor, Diakonos <laughs> crossing him over. Looks like he stopped Ryan Archie Diakono crossing him over. All right. <laughs> Wait, who did Cian Holus do in the tournament last year? Was it Gonzaga? Yeah, it was at Denver. Remember? He, he yeah. had the LeBron treatment where he was like cramping, couldn't breathe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, could, yeah, I knew it was at Denver. I just couldn't remember who they played. It's funny to think that it was Gonzaga. Wow. Now they're number one and undefeated. So since they last played the Wildcats, they've kind of had an up and down series. They beat St. John's. Then they lost two against Butler and Xavier. They come back. They beat Georgetown and Providence in overtime. Mm-hmm. Then they lose to St. John's at the Garden. And then they had, they were in that intense battle with Creighton last night. What do you think is going to be the result of Villanova? And let me let me remind you what Angel Delgado said. Mm. He said that they didn't have enough time to prepare for Nova, whatever that meant the first time. I guess the second time, now they do have a lot of time to prepare for it. I don't know what that means. Oh, wow. But what do you think is going to happen on Saturday mm-hmm. at the Rock? Well, Mr. Elgato will now have all day Thursday, all day Friday, and half of the day Saturday to prepare. Well, meanwhile, Villanova has had since uh, Tuesday morning. So, so, so much for all that talk. Anyway, this is going to be tough. I don't, I don't remember what I had them doing in the preseason show. I think I had them winning. I think I had them winning in this one. But you just don't know. There's just some teams that are in your head when you play them. At certain places, I mean, I know we uh, Villanova beat them down by thirty last meeting, and like it, you, everyone was like, "Oh, maybe this erased all doubt." But whenever Villanova plays Saint, Seton Hall at Pavilion or Wells Fargo, wherever it may be, the, Villanova always wins. It's at the Rock that's always the issue, or at Madison Square Garden, and this game's at the Rock. So I am deathly afraid. I feel that Seton Hall. This is basically their season. I mean, they're coming off a. Intense battle with Creighton, as you said. I mean, if they can win this one, maybe they start thinking about the tournament. So they're going to get their best shot. It's going to be a hyped crowd. I see Villanova winning this one, and I'm going to say it even takes them. It's going to take it overtime as well. Wow, you're thinking overtime. I, I, I think that's because part of me wants to redeem that uh, junior year loss two years ago when Hilliard had a shot to win it at the buzzer and missed and then that was the whole Josh Hart step step gate, stomp gate, or whatever it was on Delgado. Yeah, it was the low point of Josh Hart's career that actually most people forget happened. Yeah. I actually almost forgot it happened until you brought it up. Yeah, I know. It's why like, even at the game, like no one even acknowledged it. I mean, you were it was actually you who told me that he actually stomped on one. I had no idea at the game. It was just I don't know. I guess it was just that type of uh, intensity that you just didn't really know what was going on around you. But hey, that's what happens. So I've said this before, the last time Villanova and Seton Hall faced off. The Pirates are the only team since conference realignment that has beaten Villanova every year since the quote-unquote new Big East formed. Mm-hmm. Do you see that trend finally ending this year? I mean, I'm, I, like I said, I think Villanova's going to win this game, and as long as they don't see him in the, in the Big East tournament, <laughs> then yeah, the, the trend will end. Yeah, I'm... I'm I'm going Villanova on this one. I think the trend does end this year. I think Villanova should beat them at the Rock. Might be by eight. I can see it being a single-digit game. I don't think it'll be a 30-point beatdown like last time. No, certainly not. But there is something about the Rock that is that makes it so hard to play in. You know how I feel about the Rock. Yes. 
I think Villanova wins. It won't be as comfortably as it was back on Martin Luther King Day a month ago. Mm-hmm. But I do see the Wildcats winning. I just, I just, you know, I, the one thing, though, that does worry me, and with this one thing to wor- watch for, I don't know if Dale Reynolds is going to be back for Saturday. Oh, my God. I but just if realized he is, that. <laughs> or if he, that will oh. be the biggest variable. <laughs> it's your Delgado. <laughs> no. <laughs> I can tell you right now, Dylan Painter, it's one thing when you're facing off the guys at DePaul, or you're facing the guy off the bench at Xavier. But when Angel Delgado's on the court at home, hungry, angry, I, I, that's a whole other animal. He's going to drop at least 20 points and 20 boards. At least. Oh, he's definitely getting a double-double for sure, without a doubt. Oh, no, I just completely disregarded it. Oh, boy. Daryl, please play. I, I, I mean, <laughs> I'm not saying Daryl's going to completely prevent him from getting a double-double, but it'll certainly help that cause. I mean, come on. this Delgado used to make Chef his, like, his play toy during some of those games. But then Chef also had some big games against Seton Hall as well. I mean, two years ago, he had I think he had 20 boards, actually. But, oh. Damn. Now I'm scared again. I actually convinced myself that I'd be okay going into this game. Now I'm not. I still think Villanova wins, though. <laughs> I mean, as we saw in the Xavier game, let the big guy eat all day, every day. Just let him get his boards. Let him get his points. But as long as you're shutting down the guards, I think I think it should be in good hands. Yeah, right now, in the two games without Reynolds, Villanova has been out-rebounded by their opponent. So when you have a great guy on the glass like Delgado, it'll be interesting to see how it changes it. Right now, it seems like Villanova's like, yeah, we'll, we'll get beyond the glass, but, we'll be, but we'll beat you elsewhere. So far, it's worked. We'll see how well it works on Saturday. I do still think Villanova wins, but I do think it'll be a single-digit win, a close one. But that Delgado versus Pascal or Painter matchup, especially if Daryl Reynolds does not come back, that would be what I would watch. And I think that's where the game will be decided. Because if they're going to work inside out and he starts to get going, That'll just open it up for the other guys, Rodriguez, Carrington. But if Villanova can shut down or slow down Delgado, slow down their guards just like they did last month, it won't be a problem at all. Yeah. And it also would help if they shoot as well as they did last month too. Oh, yeah, you, gotta, you also got to play offense a little bit as well. I, I, I think they'll be all right. I mean, Seton Hall's kind of average defensively. We'll get ours. They'll get theirs. It's just a matter of who's going to who's really going to control the boards, which favors Seton Hall, but I feel like we'll be able to control the tempo. I think that kind of evens out. Yeah, I'll certainly be watching. I thought about going down there to cover it. Yeah, but you should have came. I should have. I should have because I, once I heard the, the hype crowd, I was like, oh, man, I, I definitely need to go now. But <laughs> it's too late. But I'll definitely be watching at home Saturday. What time is it? Is it, is it noon? No, it's 12, 12.30. Okay, yeah, I, I knew it was something weird. I, I knew it wasn't exactly noon, but I wasn't sure yeah. if it was like one. Yeah, it's a weird time, and it's also on Fox, so that's that's actually pretty cool. And yeah, Seton Hall will uh will now be going for uh, two wins in a row against ranked teams, so potentially a very big week for them. You know, what usually happens when Seton Hall is going for back to back wins over ranked teams. Uh, we're usually involved, and we yeah. We lose. Yeah, we usually give up the, the second part of that back <laughs> We're usually the back end of that. Well, here goes nothing. Yeah, what yeah, what do they say? Everything in twos? Let's see. They, you know they they beat 
St. John's, who was ranked top 25 two years ago at the Rock. Then they beat Villanova that week before they imploded. Yes, they did. Last year, they beat Xavier, then Villanova. Now it's – is it going to – is that trend going to continue? I mean, mm-hmm. I don't think it will. I think Villanova wins, but see, let's just say Seton Hall is definitely coming in inspired. Yes, they will They will have everything going for them, for sure. But so will we, so it'll be nice. Yeah, I don't know if Seton Hall fans realize it, but I feel like everyone from Villanova is from Jersey, so there will definitely be a, a big crowd there. Yeah, I mean, in years past, uh, it's usually been like 65 35% Seton Hall fans. I mean, even the Big East tournament, I'd even give the slight edge to Seton Hall fans going to the Garden, which was very, very shocking at the time because I did not think Seton Hall had a fan base, let alone that big of a fan base. But yeah, they'll they'll definitely show up for this one for sure. I'm oh. saying probably around 70% Seton Hall fans. Oh, I'm sure for that Garden game, that tournament final, a lot of them just brought out their Seton Hall jerseys from the closet, deep in the <laughs> closet. Some guys just bought shirts on the way there. I'm sure people who didn't even know who Isaiah Whitehead were, were there. <laughs> I think a lot of people were betting Seton Hall, too, because I don't know what it was, but I think my section just had a lot of bookies in it and like just do, or just a lot of big-time bettors because it was there were a lot of Seton Hall fans that were just wearing like neutral clothing. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, oh, well, I wonder how much money this guy's got on this game. So I remember that game. I, I called it. I call. I remember in that preview, I called it. You did call it. It went exactly the way I thought it would, minus Butler upsetting Providence. But I remember sitting there, and it was kind of like when you say something's going to happen, and then in your heart of hearts, you hope it doesn't actually happen. <laughs> but then when it's unfolding, you just kind of feel really guilty. But then at the same time, there's a part of you that's like, yeah, I was right. <laughs> <laughs> did you feel responsible for that loss at all? I feel like you did. A little bit. Um, well, let's just say Josh Hart was definitely hacked on that final possession, but that's none of my business. Oh, right, yeah. Don't remind me of that. Oh, well. I did remember leaving that arena saying, man, that would have been really cool if Arch hit that shot at the end, and then little did I know that less than a month later I would be getting pretty much the exact thing of what I wanted to happen. <laughs> yep, that was the same exact play used in Houston. Yep. Thankfully, uh, there was no sweat on the floor to slip over. Thank you, Chef. Women's basketball was in action this past weekend, and they had a pretty nice trip in the New York, New Jersey metropolitan area. Mm-hmm. First, they took on St. John's, and they beat the Johnnies 67-56, to which actually, you know, I just thought of this as I just said that. Do they call the women's basketball team Johnnies, or do they get like it? Do they get, like, a female version of Johnny's? Like, you know how people oh, say, like, Lady Volunteers for, like, Tennessee? Right. Lady Cats? Do they still go Johnny's, or are they just strictly Red Storm? I don't know. That's a great – that is a great question, actually. Is There's no girl name for – girl name equivalent for John, right? Not that I can think of, no. No. So, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't know that. I'd still call them the Johnny's, though. I I guess is Joan? No, I don't think Joan is though. No, I think it's just the J there. Yeah, yeah, I think I, it's just I, you changed one letter. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Email their AD. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hit up Rumble at the Garden. Ask them that question. Oh, they they actually might be perceptive to actually answering that. I feel like. <laughs> so you had three big games from Adriana Hahn, who was posted seventeen and eight. She shot six of eight on the floor, which were all about efficiency. But then on defense, blogging four steals 
and played all 40 minutes on the floor. I think I've noticed that as a trend lately for them, for the Lady Cats. I feel like a lot of their players have been playing like the entire game lately. I don't know if you noticed that. Yeah, I feel like Adriana Hahn and Alex Lewin post 40. at least 38 minutes per game. Yeah. I mean, that's that's going to get worrisome down the road. But hey, I mean, if it means beating a team that's supposed to be better than you on the road. Yeah, Alex Lewin did well too. She posted 13.7 rebounds and 6 assists. She did shoot 1 of 7 on the floor, but she made up for that by getting to the free throw line and making all 10 attempts. There we go. That's what I've been complaining about all year, and they're actually doing it now. Did you get into the line? Janet Tucker chipped in 11 points. Then you look at St. John's. They had a big performance from Maya Singleton, 13 points, 20 rebounds. But I'm sure, just like the men's team, if you're getting beat on the boards, you'll take the W at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. I agree. Then they went over to actually play Seton Hall to round out the weekend. You had six different players in double digits for the Cats. Samantha Wilkes, Alex Lewin, Jordan Dillard, Janet Tucker. Kelly Jackett and Mary Gadaka, while Seton Hall was led by the efforts of Luberdia Gordon, who had 18 points and five rebounds. Chris, the Wildcats shot 20 of 27, 74%. I would have been shocked if they lost. I mean, they blew out Seton Hall, but this has been a pretty good weekend for them. Yeah, I, I, on the last episode, I actually predicted them to go one and one losing at St. John's and then beating St. Hall. But they, they throttled St. John's, and then they absolutely throttled St. Hall on an absolutely historic shooting night. So we know how this team started out the year. Mm-hmm. Wasn't that pretty? Wasn't that great? No. But they've really turned it around in the second half, especially once conference play started. Mm-hmm. They're currently 14-11 overall but 9-5 and five in the Big East, and they're actually in fourth place. How good is this turnaround right now? I mean, this is pretty big. I mean, we, we saw in the beginning of the year, like, they were getting they were getting manhandled up up and down. Like, Miss, like going up against a big-time program, Mississippi State, it was 108-62, to 62, and you started to think, all right, you know, like, you thought you would keep it close, but that, that's just brutal. And you're, you go on the road at Duke, and you're losing big there, and you're like, all right, maybe – Maybe this is really more of a rebuilding year anyway. You don't start off conference play that well, going 0-2 to start. But then you get a win against Georgetown. Then you get a win against Providence. Then Seton Hall, St. John's. And, you know, it starts to build and build and build. And, you know, I mean, obviously you had to sprinkle in a loss here and there. But once you get once you get some momentum going, it's crazy what a momentum can do for a team. Because of it, they're sitting fourth. And that's great because we did not expect anything more than maybe – what, like 7th, 6th, 7th, 8th maybe? And here they are sitting four, beating St. John's twice this year. And St. John's was, I think, was predicted to finish second in the Big East. This is a good, this is, they're showing good signs to the future as well, winning these types of games. I mean, it might, not, they might not do anything this year in the Big East tournament or NCAA tournament if they even get there, but they're building towards good things in the future, which is what you want to see. Yeah, the improvement has just been remarkable. You, you you really have to look at the season and going in, they're replacing a lot of different starters. They're really tinkering around with the lineups, depth chart, all that. They start out slow in conference play, but now they've won nine of their last 12, which is impressive. Mm-hmm. They've really improved a lot, and it seems that this team is really starting to jail, really starting to get it together, which, like you said, is very promising for the future. Mm-hmm. If not right now, but looking ahead, this is – if you're Harry Pareto, you, you come in with a lot of questions – a lot more answers. 
Right, which is exactly what I feel like this year was about. I don't think they expected to do anything postseason-wise, but if you're able to answer some of those questions and build on something, that's great. Yeah, this is a fairly young team, so it's got to feel pretty good knowing that you have this young core, this young freshman-sophomore core, and you'll have a lot of your players for next year too. So this is going to be a pretty good Villanova team to watch. Mm -hmm. We'll see how they finish out this year. And what happens? Right now, they're behind a lot of really good teams in the Big East: DePaul, Creighton, Marquette. So to be fourth is kind of like it's kind of like Butler is for the men's the men's side. You know, it's like you're second to the top dog, which right. obviously you want to be the top cat or top dog, <laughs> but you'll take it. You'll take it for now, especially coming into the season in which you lose the quarter twins to graduation, you lose a couple of other pieces, you bring in some new players. You don't know how exactly it's going to work out. Mm-hmm. But now it seems that you're they're figuring it out. Right. And they got four more games to really solidify themselves. You got Xavier on Friday and Butler on sa- Sunday. Sunday. Uh, both are both are at the pavilion, so hopefully you can win those two. And then you finish off the season against probably your two biggest tests uh, at DePaul and at Marquette. So we'll see where they stand. Yeah, Butler and Xavier are two teams that they actually have beaten earlier in the year, so they got to like their chances going into this one. But those last two at the very end will be very tough for sure. But we'll get back to that when it comes closer. Right. Let's look around the other sports in Villanova Athletics. We got some new new sports on the block, at least for this year. They're coming back in season. Stepping away from the hardwood. Men's and women's lacks got it going, Chris. In the wind tunnel. Jesus, how, man. I heard it was really <laughs> bad over there. I was getting some alerts. <laughs> and they were like... Yeah. I wind advisor in New York and, and like that whole Northeast area. And I was sitting there mm-hmm. thinking, is is that place about to be windier than Chicago right now? Uh, yeah, it was. And, you know, we, we talked about the snowstorm on Thursday and, you know, that hit us, but that was fine. It was just snow. It was a foot of snow, but it was snow. You got it. And then it started to melt away Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday morning, everything just, it just freezing rain and it hail and every every road was just an ice rink and then you think that was bad enough no it just <laughs> the wind just came flying in and just everything's getting blown over and you can hear it through the wind the walls of the house and it's just it's just been a miserable few days over here consider yourself lucky you're actually out of here for the time being yeah i mean it was it's crazy i mean i feel like i, I get it how they need to start the season this early but when you think lacrosse, that's a spring sport, man. February, yeah, think, come on, that's like still winter. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, like when we brought it up last episode, I was like, really? Are they starting this early? Is this preseason? Or oh wait, no, these games actually count. Wow, why? Like, are you? Can you play lacrosse in the snow? <laughs> you, you know, funny story. Actually, two years ago, they postponed a game because there was a little bit of snow. Oh. <laughs> So then how did they, okay, whatever. I don't even want to, I don't want to know. <laughs> but <sighs> I feel like the cross in the snow would be a cool, cool idea. No, they, they, they can't play it in the snow. They have before, but for some reason, Villanova just canceled the game. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah, so you had the men's team. They lost 12 to 10 to Monmouth. And then you had <sighs> the women's team. They lost 10 to 6 to Bucknell. Two pretty nearby teams. I mean, the men's game was pretty intense, but they just fell short. But the women's team, I understand they lost 10-6, but you had a freshman score, a hat trick. It's a pretty young core, like a lot of the Villanova sports teams this year. 
And so yeah. I think I think these freshmen will eventually rise up one day. Hey, and getting off on the right foot, hat trick in your in your first game. That's a it's a it's one hell of an achievement. <laughs> Most people don't even get a hat trick their entire career. This girl, she she's got one in the first game ever. <laughs> yeah, that, that that is true. Yeah, I've never thought about it like that. Yeah, there are people who who go on without scoring a goal, or they score the or they score like two goals to their name. She already has three. The other thing is too, I feel like lacrosse is an underrated sport on campus. I mean, you look at the men's team; they're usually ranked. They're they're ranked in the top twenty, and they you know they they played in the NCAA tournament. Like, why why don't they get more love? Like, we have so many sports teams that just don't get enough love. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. I just, I feel like when you have just one program that just, it's just so dominant and like prevalent, it's just, it's just kind of hard to get behind these other squads. I'm not, I'm not saying like you shouldn't, you shouldn't, <laughs> but it, it's just, it's just really, it's really difficult because you know, lacrosse doesn't get the national spotlight, track doesn't get a national spotlight. You don't see these guys on ESPN. Like ESPN never talks about it unless it's like the absolute. Like champ when they have the rights to the championship game on like ESPN three, so you never hear about it. And and just basketball is just a, such a huge sport. It's just it's just hard to just get behind them. It it really is. Yeah, I, I get that. You know, you go where the money's at, and I totally understand that. But there's come on, like we can get at least more than like twenty people to come out and like sit on the stage. You know what I mean? Like we're we're a school of like eight thousand students. And we only get maybe like a few hundred, if that, to come to these other sports. Yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, you you talked about it a a few years ago on the bench mob. You wrote a piece for the, the about the football team, how no one comes out to support them, even though we're kind of a big deal on the FCS level, anyway. Yeah, we are. Yeah, we are, exactly, and it's that. And then last year you had women's volleyball breaking barriers, one of the best teams in recent history. And no one was giving them love. Mm-hmm. And now you have men's lax who's consistently ranked or performing very well, and they're not—they're not getting enough love. Yeah, I don't—I don't fully understand why we can't get more than twenty people there. But I mean, I understand why. It's just you don't see them on TV. You don't get the media exposure. And honestly, like I like lacrosse as a sport. Like I would, if the game's on, like I'll watch it. I won't actively seek it, but if it's on, I'll like if it just happen to click around and find it. I'll watch it. But yeah, it's just, a, it's, I don't know. It's just, it's just, it's just not one of those sports that you think about usually. I think that's why it's just not, a, it's not, in the, it's not considered one of the big four. Yeah. That's the other thing too. Lacrosse is a very niche sport. It's very East coaster, mm-hmm. Northeast type sport. You know, it's very big in Long Island, very big in Connecticut. I heard it's starting mm-hmm. to get some roots in like Cali, but it's, it's a Maryland, yeah. Big one. That whole yeah, DMV yeah. area, very big on it. Yeah. But uh, I can guarantee they're probably not playing it as much in, like, Wyoming. Wyoming, Kansas, yeah. Kentucky. <laughs> yeah. So. You you look at the Lax Cats. The men's women's team are taking on some Ivy League schools. The men's team is taking on Yale on Saturday, while the women's team is taking on Cornell on also on Saturday. Do you think that's intentional that they schedule like same conference teams? Like I don't that? know. That th- these are good questions. Should ask uh, Mike Sheridan for that. 
I don't, I don't feel like he has nothing to do with relax. So you should just ask him anyway. <laughs> you already bugged me a lot for basketball. Go go talk to this guy. <laughs> so also coming up this weekend, we have opening day for the baseball and softball teams. Baseball is opening up at Norfolk State and Virginia. Meanwhile, softball is heading down to Madera Beach, Florida, for a little, a little, uh, little doubleheader, little doubleheader against some Michigan teams. <laughs> they take on Eastern Michigan first, and then they'll take on Michigan State right after. It's got to be pretty nice to go to Florida this time of year. Uh, yeah, this was usually around this time. This was when like my high school and middle school like winter break was. So we'd always go to Florida. Usually around, and we usually go to Disney. So. Good for them. <laughs> it's a fun time down there, especially in February when no one's there. And the softball will be even more busy the day after. They, they're going to take on Oakland and then Quinnipiac. Well, the baseball team continues their series against Norfolk State. Women's tennis takes on the Navy down in Annapolis, Maryland. Then you got softball finishes up their trip in Madera Beach on Sunday against UAB. The Blazers. Remember when their football program was almost dead to rights? Yeah, what isn't it that the rights? I think they said that they were bringing it back or something. Wait, what? <laughs> when was this? Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. I, I thought I, I thought I read somewhere that it was actually going to be brought back. I think in like a, a year or two, like not not right away, but I think they oh, are. Oh, um, I think in the future. I could also be wrong. Someone can fact check me. Let's see. I'm going to double check right now. Yeah, they're bringing it back. And there you have it. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you for listening and subscribing to the State of the Nova Nation podcast. Get to check us out at viewbenchmob.com for all your news and updates on all things Villanova sports. Lastly, follow, don't forget to follow us on the Twitter sphere at viewbenchmob, or you can follow me, Eugene Repay, at eRepay5. And you can follow me. Chris Danziel at the stands man on Twitter. Eugene, we've discussed this off air though, but I probably won't be here Monday or actually, no, sorry, Tuesday as Monday. I am going under the knife for surgery on something quick procedure. I'll be an outpatient the same day on Monday, but might not be able to do anything on Tuesday. So best of luck with the next episode, by the way. Yeah. Best of luck on your surgery, on your procedure. Hopefully, it's a quick in and out thing, and you'll be right back at it. And you'll be back at it on next Thursday. Yeah, it should be, hopefully. Everything should be going according to the plan here. So thank you. I appreciate that. Nova Nation, if you want to make Chris feel a lot better, send over that leftover Valentine's Day candy. Or <laughs> pop on over to your nearest CVS or grocery store, because I hear now that it's after Valentine's Day, a lot of candy just plummets in price. So it's like, yeah, 10 for $5, and you just get 10 bags of candy. Oh, that that's awesome. I didn't even know that. But to be honest with you, I'd rather have the Villanova win over the candy. <laughs> yeah, that's also true. Yeah, yeah for, keep your candy. Buy, buy yourself some candy. Treat yourself. Treat yourself. <laughs> Nova Nation, have a good weekend. We'll see you back after we honor some presidents, beat some pirates, and what other shenanigans take place this weekend.